All right, what's going on, everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome to the Build Your Empire podcast. Today we have Matt Morgan with us here today. And I just want to say thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate you having me. For sure, man. So I, I've been following you for a while, man, and I know that just the content you put out and what you've been building has just been immaculate. But I want to kind of listen and tell the people today, just kind of catch them up to speed, a little more about who you are, just to kind of fill them in with some gaps that they may not know who you are. Okay. Fair enough. So pretty much when it comes to everything you're doing now, business-wise, you're living in LA, that's super dope. But I want to know more about just where did this all start? Where are you from to be exact? Yeah, I can give you my backstory. Totally, totally. probably totally. a good start, right? Uh, so I'm a 33-year-old serial entrepreneur, you know, involved in uh, several different verticals. Uh, born and raised in Montana. I'm a farm kid out of Montana, so dope. makes it a little bit different. <laughs> um, grew up there, started my first business when I was 16. Uh, I was an auto detail company. And uh, was in and out of figuring out who I was, where I was, just trying to find myself more or less. Yeah. Um, to appease my family, I went to uh, college after high school for about 10 days. <laughs> hey, better than zero, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's the way I looked at it. But, you know, I figured that my time was better spent out learning business in the yeah. real world versus in a classroom. Were you going for business? I was, okay. yeah. Yeah, I was going to do uh, business with an emphasis in finance. Okay. Yeah. Dope. So you, just, I, it's something that still got to me. So 16, started your first business. Right. When it comes to like entrepreneur, doing your own shit, did you have parents that were entrepreneurs or like, was that just something that you, you had know, inside? My father was a on and off, on and off again entrepreneur, um, but he always, you know, fell back to the timber industry because he yeah. was, you know, from the age of 18, he was in the logging industry, okay. which is you know, was the primary industry in Montana. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> One of them. Montana. How yeah. was it living out there? It's crazy, man. Um, there's more cows than people. <laughs> so I okay. think Montana just hit a million people in population. Oh, my God. But there's definitely more cattle than people. Yeah. Uh, my grandparents had about <laughs> 5,000 acres out there. Okay. So uh, we And we also had about 600 head of cattle. Okay. What else is pretty dope is uh, I'm a sixth-generation Montanan, so oh, wow. my family homesteaded in Montana in 1860. That's dope. Yeah. That's super dope. Yeah, right? so I'm the first one to leave. Really? Yeah. Do you have siblings or are you the only child? Or what? Uh, I'm the only child between my two parents, and they okay. both remarried and had more kids. Okay. So, um, yeah, I have a little brother and three little sisters. Dope. That's yeah. it, man. Yeah. So I'm curious. When it comes to, obviously, you said you moved to L.A. in January. So right. Before that, I just want to give the people some updates. When was the transition to be like, all right, you started your business when you were 16, you went to college for right. 10 days, and we'll talk more about that, but when was the transition of like, all right, I'm gonna get the hell out of here, go and move and like do me in a sense? So, so after college, I left, my family was very upset. You know, I was one of the first people that would have graduated college in okay. my family. Um, and so to appease them again, I went and I became an electrician apprentice okay. uh, for the electrical union, which was, uh, nightmare for me um definitely wasn't built to be a construction guy yeah, yeah so i did that for a year had enough of that uh then ended up um luckily getting my real estate license okay so i was 20 when i got my real estate license uh looked like i was five <laughs> wore suits that fell off me <laughs> yeah. uh, but you know i just did whatever it took knocked on people's doors i mean yeah. i would cold call i'd do whatever to try yeah. and get a sale uh it actually ended up taking me about six months to get my first sale so okay. i was you know, I had like $4 in my name. I was behind on all of my payments on, yeah. you know, everything, my rent. 
Okay. Um, after my first sale, then I then I started crushing it. You In know, real I got, estate. Yeah, I got my okay. got my feet under me, got my confidence. Okay. Was that like the first like business venture that you pursued, other than like when you were sixteen, or was uh, like the first that I remember? Like, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there might be some other small you know ventures that I participated yeah, yeah. in, but nothing nothing that I took seriously as as a career. Yeah. So that was like the first time that I was like, all right, you know, I'm gonna do this. Yeah. That's um. So I kind of grabbed the bull by the horns and yeah, yeah. and took it. Uh. You know, I by the time I was 22, I was a partner in a real estate company. Okay. So I was definitely the youngest kid in the in the space up there. Oh, yeah, yeah. So what were you doing real estate when it comes to like when you commercial, first residential, okay. uh, sales, transactions? Okay. But it taught me a lot about business in general, just because I was dealing with you know large sums of money. Yeah. Um, you You're know, 22, you said. At 22, yeah. Well, I started at 20. Um, but it, it just shows you a lot about contracts. Yeah. You know how to how to work with people, how to negotiate. Yep. So it was really, it was really my trial by fire on how to become a, a serious entrepreneur. Yeah. Um, so I started doing very well in real estate. You know, had the house, the cars, all that stuff yeah. at 22, um, and then 08 rolled around, and uh, I overextended myself like any young arrogant man would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fl- the subprime crash hit, and uh, I kind of took a face face plant for sure. Okay. I was 23 when that happened. Um, so I started scrambling because I had a, you know, I had a life to support. Yeah. So I, I started digging around, uh, researching online every night, and you know, eventually I settled on marijuana as like the next big thing. Yeah, yeah. And that was like '08. Yeah. I know, like when it comes to like it getting legalized more now in 2018, kind of like it's getting more. I feel like it's from, it's way different. Yeah, it's like it's like the it's culturally accepted. I said, and right. it's sort of starting to fall into that demographic of it's alcohol yeah, yeah yeah exactly and especially being someone that's younger and i have two older two older brothers and i feel like when my brother's now 24 when he was in high school it was looked at completely different for you know? sure yeah so, I've, i mean i've been out of high school for 15 years but yeah. you know i mean even in high school like it was frowned upon to yeah. smoke cannabis <laughs> okay. and but you know drinking alcohol was okay yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. like the public perception is crazy yeah um so you know there was some there was some um there was some guesswork involved, I would say. You know, I got a little bit lucky. Like, there was some education, some guesswork, and research that was involved in why I picked yeah. cannabis. I had no idea it was going to end up being, you know, the hottest industry in the, yeah, in the yeah. world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I, I feel like that's a, when it comes to the industry, like, in 2018, as it's more like uh, companies going public and all this sort of stuff. Right. What was the phase of it when you kind of jumped into that industry so when I got involved it was basically the wild west right okay. I mean there was really not a whole lot of regulations um, it, everything was very vague yeah everyone operated in quote-unquote the gray area right <laughs> yeah. which is between the white area and the black area yeah. um, and you just didn't know what was gonna happen you never knew if like the police were gonna show up at your door or yeah. if you were gonna go to jail because yeah, you yeah. didn't you didn't know if it, you were you know okay or not. yeah and like just to give you an idea back when I got involved the public you know, the public viewpoint as far as legalization was probably under 40%, and now it's okay. around 70%. Okay. So that's how much our society yeah. as Americans has shifted over the last 10 years. Okay, that's crazy. So when it comes to, was it just straight real estate to cannabis, or was there any transition point? And how, really, what was that transition point that really made you pivot? Was it real estate you just weren't passionate about anymore, or do you still no, no, doing I, it to the process? I'm still passionate about real estate. Yeah, I'll yeah. always love real estate, you know, developing, totally. things like that. Um, I'll always have a fascination for real estate and a passion for it, but I, I knew very quickly that I had to pivot or, yeah. or else I was going to sink. Yeah. You know, I was taking on a lot of water. Totally. So I had to pivot quickly and, you know, make a, make a judgment call and that's what I did. So I went all in on cannabis. Yeah. Uh, failed miserably at it at first. Uh, 
I mean, I just thought that I could buy some seeds, put them in some dirt, yeah, and yeah. grow some high times bud. Yeah. And there's so many levels of sophistication to it. Yeah. You know. So I started with a you know a light I found in a, in a warehouse, put it in my garage, went and got my patient card, <laughs> yep. got my six plants, you know, just completely just fell on my face time after time. Yeah. Um, I'm usually a pretty quick learner though, and I scale quickly. Yeah. So within like about ten months or so, uh, I had one of the largest cultivations in, like warehouse, in the state in of Montana. Yeah, about fifteen thousand oh, feet. Damn. Yeah. That's sick. So we were ripping, um, and my. Cannabis was like the biggest booming industry in Montana and seen yeah. in a long time. What right? year was that when you were you said fifteen thousand square foot? Uh, that was like late late oh nine maybe. Okay, yeah, and middle so of late oh nine. You started in the industry. Like, what was the process from like just starting six plants to then fifteen thousand square foot? Um, so the process was basically I started marketing and gathering more patients so I could be their caregiver. Yeah, yeah. And I collected, you know, I had I don't know probably I think I had around five hundred patients that I was servicing. Yeah. So with those 500 patients, you're allowed to grow six plants per patient. 500 yeah. times six is 3,000 plants. Yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. what I was growing. So what goes, because I feel like there may be people that are interested in the whole industry. Like what goes into the legality of that whole process when it comes to getting the license? Like what's the process to actually Well, back scale then that it was much more simplistic because they didn't have all the regulation involved, yeah. right? It was just, it was like an unspoken, all right, here's how it yeah, works, yeah. right? Um, now it's much more sophisticated as the business it matures. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cannabis as, as a whole has come a long way in the last 10 years. So yeah. back then it was very simple. All you had to do was go get a, a patient, say, hey, I'd love to be your caregiver. Here, you know, here's the cannabis I grow. Yeah. They would look at it, say, all right, you know, you can be my caregiver. They would submit into the state that they want that you to specifically be their caregiver, and that was it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, simple process. Now, <laughs> now it's regulators and testing and, yeah, yeah. you know, state qualifications and it's there's just so many layers of complexity at this yeah. point. I would say it's one of the more intricate business models to execute yeah. on. Yeah, totally. So I, I want to touch on, so like when I go to your Instagram page, it says like you're a part of all these different brands when it comes to the things you're involved with, like right. co-founder of this, co-founder of that. Right. Just to give the people some like insights, how many brands or companies are you a part of when it comes to just what you're involved with on a day-to-day? Um, Probably six, give okay. or take. And what yeah. are they called? Just to, I want to fill the people in a little bit. Um, I'm helping a company, a public company up in Canada called Omni. Um, so that's a CBD play. Yeah. Um, I'm also working with a company uh, called Jungle Performance Brands. So that's a soil and nutrient company. Uh, Green Axis, which is a public Canadian company that primarily deals in cannabis. That's sick. Um, I have my Slaps Underwear company. Yeah. Uh, we kind of launched this Never Sell Dope company, which is an apparel company That's it. <laughs> uh, as well. It's kind of going to be like a media play almost because yeah. um, we started a, a new vlog channel on YouTube okay. you called Never Sell did? Dope. Or like the company Cody itself. and I did. He's my yeah. best friend. Yeah. yeah, no, I interviewed Cody. Oh, you did? Yeah, we never met in person yet, but we did like a Skype thing. Oh, okay. I know he's out of town. I hit him up. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's yeah, next time. He's in Hawaii. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's dope. Um, but uh, yeah, so we kind of just launched that a few weeks ago, actually. Dope. So that's just like you two are kind of. Yeah, it's just basically. You know, I just wanted to. Uh, you know, let let people see what the everyday life of a you know yeah. an entrepreneur that's heavily involved in the cannabis space yeah. is like. And what's that called again? Just for the people. Uh, never sell dope. And so that's like the YouTube channel. It's called. Yeah, never dope. sell dope. Yeah, I'll make sure to put that in dope. the description for yeah, sure. I appreciate that. So I, I want to talk about social media because I know obviously that's how we connected. That's how this right. put together. So you coming from someone that social media nowadays? I'm 18. It's like I kind of right. grew up in it. I always love asking people when it comes to like, what was the pivot point for you of like doing real estate, doing all this business, but then now pivoting and having this whole social media personal brand and transitioning to it's, it's doing cra- the whole thing there. It's crazy. I mean, I didn't even, just to give you an idea, I didn't even advertise my real estate stuff on, yeah, yeah, on totally. social media. 
Um, I think I got on Facebook for the first time in 07. Yeah. So, you know, and like, I think my girlfriend signed me up for that in MySpace or something yeah, like yeah. that, right? And I didn't spend a bunch of time on there. I was just like, whatever. And then Facebook was, you know, just kind of idling along. I, yep. I didn't really, I wasn't that active. Um, and then Cody was actually told me I need, told me I need to download Instagram. And I was like, what's this <laughs> What nonsense? year was this? 13. Oh, damn. 2013. Yeah. So I've been on it for five years. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, you got to download this. I was like, all right, whatever. So. I did, I downloaded it. Um, didn't take that seriously for a couple of years. And then finally, after I had it for about a year and a half, maybe, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna just show everyone what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's when I kind of opened up the curtains and was totally. like, this is what I do. <laughs> I smoke weed, yeah, yeah. I run big weed companies, I build them and I'm, I'm proud of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's, that's, what, that's when I started to get a lot of attention on social media. Okay, yeah. totally. So that's when like that, that was a def, that was a pivotal moment I would what say what year was that when you were just like fuck it I'm just gonna open the doors uh late 14 early 15 okay so it's like four years since you like I would say start building your personal brand as like showcasing what you're doing in a sense yeah and it was more so I was building my company brands yeah and that was you know the the reef dispensaries the trike companies I was pumping up Khalifa Kush yeah yeah uh, Wiz and I kind of did a collab on that that's dope um and so I was pumping up the primarily the cannabis brands but then I just, I started to do more public engagement speaking. Mm -hmm. um, I started to do, you know, different things on my own that didn't yep. involve the brand specifically. And that's when I decided to start building me as a brand. That's dope. So when you say public speaking, do you just, is that like different expos, conferences, yeah. you're talking about? Yeah, primarily, normally cannabis stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, they usually want me to come in and, you know, be keynote or whatever it yeah. may be. Um, and I love educating people in the, in the cannabis yeah. space because I feel like the biggest misconception comes from uh, people be lack of education. Yeah, we'll have to do a build your cannabis cannabis empire event. For sure. I there. mean, people would eat that up. I get <laughs> yeah. I don't know how many people I get hitting me up a day asking yeah, yeah. me questions on cannabis. Yeah, but totally. It's, you, know. you should do a vlog on that. Just like question one, question two, <laughs> Q and A session. I uh, <laughs> I did a post on Instagram. It was like asking me anything or whatever. And yeah, yeah. I got flooded with questions. I my thumbs hurt for like a week trying yeah, to respond yeah. to everyone. Totally, man. See, so, you're like what, like two hundred seventy thousand. You've built a quite big audience. I would yeah, say, on yeah. Instagram it's, it's, right it's, now. Yeah, it's getting some decent traction. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, so with your, I would say your play on social is it mainly Instagram? Obviously, now you got the YouTube vlog going on. Yeah, where so, do you spend your time? Yeah, so. I feel like Instagram is, in my opinion, the most valuable yeah. social platform. In right 2018, now. at least for now. For sure. You know, there was obviously everything evolved, right? Like yeah. it used to be Facebook yeah. and Instagram, and we don't know what's going to be next. Yeah, totally. Um, but I feel like, you know, Snapchat's kind of dying, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I don't really use it that much. I, like, I don't either. Like at all. I used to use it quite a bit. Me too. But like the Instagram stories kind of yeah. crushed it. Yeah, no, as soon as that pivot happened, I'm like, damn, like, <laughs> yeah. they're going down. <laughs> right. Totally. And it's just like the amount of traction you get on Instagram. It's like, why yeah. would you be messing yeah, around? More discoverable on it? in a sense. Yeah. yeah. And so I'm using Instagram right now as like my centerpiece, mm -hmm. you know, of the of all the spokes, if you will. Yeah. So now the vlog, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting a lot of I'm getting a lot of people wanting me to do my own podcast. Yeah. So that's, why don't you, bro? <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm just trying to find enough hours in the day, bro. Totally, I feel <laughs> yeah. you, bro. <laughs> it's, a, it's time consuming. Like you know? by nine at night, I'm just like a zombie. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally, I feel you on that one. For sure. So I, I feel like Instagram has changed the world, you know? Like yeah. it's, I feel like it's the first step into like virtual reality because people are getting based off of like on, on social dynamics wise, they're getting based yeah. off how many people follow you, you know, yeah. how engaged like your, your audience is. Yeah. Like resume. Yeah. I mean, I roll into like a production company, like how many Instagram followers do you have? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I'm to lift up my skirt too. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. Yeah. So, so when it comes to you as an individual, when it comes to like running your companies, 
has it given you like a different perspective when it comes to a branding and marketing standpoint? Like when you start a new venture, do you look on social as like the main when it comes to running campaigns or what's your current head on like using social to do marketing for your company? I mean, I think social media hands down is the most powerful marketing tool on the planet. Like I don't even yeah. think there's a close second. Yeah. You know, like totally. I mean, just cause I've seen what it's done to my life. Yeah. Like it's, just having this little app on your phone can literally change yeah. your life yeah. exponentially. Totally, there's freaking. We would we met with the dude Tanner Fox the other day. He's like eight million on YouTube. Yeah, like eighteen. Just bought this like two million dollar house. He's yeah, like, I heard he's killing, killing it. it. Yeah, he's yeah. Like, <laughs> killing it, bro. Yeah, like, he had this like whole dirt bike jack. We were just tearing it up back there, and he's like, damn, like he he dropped out of school in eighth grade. He's, he's just like killing crazy it, bro, from damn YouTube. I wish blogging. I had the balls to drop out. Be <laughs> <laughs> a lot farther right over. <laughs> So I'm curious. So you said moved out to LA in January of right. 2018. What's right. that been like when it comes to just pivoting from Scottsdale? You said. Uh, so I went from Montana. Uh, well, I guess we should back backtrack yeah, a little, totally. just so that, that people understand the story. But uh, Montana in 2010, the industry was booming, and Montana doesn't like change. Yeah. They don't. They want to stay the same. You know, dirt roads, horses, the whole yeah. nine yards. Um. So Montana, there was dispensaries on every street corner. Yeah. Literally. Like the town I was from is about sixty thousand people. Yep. There was over sixty dispensaries in that one town. Oh my god! Yeah, sixty. Sixty in this small in a small ass town. Yeah, so it's Damn, crazy. crazy. It's crazy. Was that like competition wise? Was that like a like what the hell is happening? Or was no? It because when you had your patients, oh, with they you. had to go to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was no competition. Okay, that's yeah. Better. So that that part was dope. But Montana had emergency legislation session to re, to change the laws on cannabis. So they changed the laws saying you can only have three patients. So you could only oh, grow eighteen yeah. plants. And you had 500? 3,000. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, I had 3,000 plants. And you had to get patients. three? You said only three patients? You could only have three. So I, literally, you, could, you, like, you couldn't have anything of, of size whatsoever. Yeah. So that at that point, I was like, all right. And this is like a you know, multi-million dollar operation. So yeah. I was like, all right, we got to shut the thing down. Yeah. And it's not like you can just rip the walls out of a yeah. cultivation and bring them with you. You know yeah, what I yeah. mean? Like it's, it's sunk cost. Yeah. So I shut her down because I wasn't going to break the law. And I looked around the country to where I felt which state was going to have the most favorable cannabis laws where they had a real program they were going to roll it out and you could scale and arizona at the time looked the most promising in 2010 they had a program is basically created an oligopoly you know they were giving out 131 licenses for the whole state population six and a half million yeah and they have a lot of tourism yeah so like all right i just packed up my shit and headed down to arizona yeah well Damn. it helped because when i was in real estate i dated a girl a bottle girl that, that worked in uh, <laughs> old town scottsdale so I spent some time there. So I was like, all right, like I can, you know, I can work with this. Yeah, yeah. Scottsdale's dope. So I moved down there and I, the program hadn't rolled out yet. So I started a chain of hydroponic stores where they sell all the okay. nutrients to grow light, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. It was called You Grow. Okay. So that's how I really networked into the culture of, okay. of Arizona's cannabis space. That's dope. Yeah. So I did that. Um, and I figured, you know, if they're giving out these 131 privileged licenses, why would they give it to some kid from Montana that they'd never <laughs> heard of? So I went and I found a state senator who's very decorated, and his son wanted to get in the space. So I was like, all right, be my partner so we can put your dad's name on the app, yeah. and we'll be much more likely to get a, yeah. a couple licenses, right? Uh, so I ended up uh, doing that. Spent a ton of money on building these apps that were about this tall. I think they were like six or 700 pages, because okay. we thought it was going to be a qualitative process. They were yeah. going to score you on your, on your application and who you were. The state got scared at the last minute for getting sued about favoritism or something of that nature. So they made it a straight lottery. Oh, so no like there was balls in a hopper and you could watch it on no TV. Way. Yeah. Oh, like to pick the license? Yeah, so if your number popped up, you got the license. <laughs> like it was just, it was nuts. <laughs> and so uh, we ended up with the license in Sedona. 
Okay. And you won the lottery? Like, yeah, through the lottery <laughs> process, right? <laughs> and so with one of these licenses, you were allowed one dispensary, unlimited cultivation, unlimited weight, unlimited plants. So you could, you could scale unlimitedly yeah. if you wanted to without breaking law. And they put together a nice program so you understood the box that you could play in without breaking any yeah. rules, which I love that. Because without compliance and regulators, and yeah. you can't scale to the size you'd ever want to be, yeah. right? So we ended up with Sedona license. Uh, I went out, I was 26 at the time, I went out and raised $7 million from private private guys. That's dope. And I started a, started a company called Bloom. Okay, is that, was that like the, the whole operation that you moved to Arizona? Uh, that's that, like, that was the goal the whole okay, time, yeah, okay. and it came to fruition. That's sick. Yeah, so that was really like my I would I would call that like my my breakout moment. Okay. Um, that thing caught traction very quickly. I, I started acquiring other licenses. Yeah. Uh, I bought the downtown Phoenix license for four hundred fifty thousand. Okay. Everyone thought I was like a psychopath. So what, like, does that, what does that entail? Buying that license? Uh, it was tricky because you don't actually buy the license; you buy the management company okay. under the license because they're not for profits, right? Yeah. So you had to buy the for-profit entity that was managing the not-for-profit. Yeah. Anyway, everyone thought I was batshit crazy. <laughs> um, I mean, fast forward to today, and that that, that license and dispenser is worth, you know, I don't know, $25 million. Damn, that's so sick. When, so when did you, what year was that when you made all that happen? 2012 okay, is so when I started making major moves. Six years ago? Damn. Yeah, so uh, we ended up with, we had four retails. We ended up with four dispensaries. Um, 60,000 feet of cultivation yeah. and then a laboratory. Yeah, uh, so we had scientific stuff. Yeah, and we <laughs> ramped it quick. So we went from zero, me and my partner, to 110 employees and a million dollar a month run rate Damn. in 10 months. Damn. Yeah. That's crazy. And yeah, that's, that's when still I was, operating, right? That's still. Bloom's still going. Thing. Yeah. So, so then I. Uh, then I started to get attention from like private equity guys, from family offices, yeah. from the big money guys. Yeah, yeah. Like, who's this kid? And you know, how is he? <laughs> you know, because you're 26 at the time. Uh, 12. I was 27. Okay. Um, when I started to get attention from the big money guys. Okay. So then I, you know, I started meeting with some of these bigger money guys, and a couple of them were like, "Hey, we'd like to buy Bloom, and then you know, inject it with a, a shitload of capital and yeah. let you scale this thing. Can you can you duplicate this on a bigger scale?" I was like, "Of course." Yeah. You know, I'm never going to turn that down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they, this, I ended up, like, really uh, becoming close to this family office out of Florida. Okay. And um, they offered to come in and buy Bloom, all the, all the existing investors out, mm -hmm. and all the investors uh, had very unrealistic expectations. Mm -hmm. And so it was they couldn't come to terms on a buyout. Um, so after that, I basically went to the family office, and uh, we struck a deal together to, to start a new company. That's dope. While yeah. that was still kind of running, you just started a separate company with them? Right, but uh, part of the deal was that I, you know, I basically gave all my paper from Bloom over to my yeah. old partner. I was like, I'm going to go start NewCo. You run with this thing. So that's what we did. That's dope. Yeah. That so 2013? Um, yeah, that was the end of 13. And then I started NewCo, which ended up being trade companies and reap dispensaries in okay. March of 14. Okay, so what differentiates these different things? Because when it comes to the separate companies, are they both the same model that you did with Bloom? Yeah, so Bloom was like the first like large operation, and then Trike ended up being a much larger operation, yeah. right? It was much more refined, had much better corporate structure. I learned from all of my mistakes with Bloom. Yeah. I didn't, you know, I didn't make those same mistakes with with Trike. So, That's sick. Um, and I was very, very well capitalized. I was I was the most well capitalized cannabis company in 2014 in the country Dope. by far. 
That's sick. And yeah. that's when you're in Arizona, and that was that's, yeah. that's where that was all going down. Yeah. So I fired it up in Arizona, acquired a license, opened my dispensary, and then we went and applied for eight licenses in Nevada, and we won all eight. We actually got the top sick. eight scores. Was in that the state. lottery thing too, or was it? No, it was qualitative. Process? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So we scored the eight high scores and got the licenses. Sick. And then you just went ham and went ham in Nevada. Vegas. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> went and bought a 165,000 square foot building, Damn. two blocks off the strip. Yeah, yeah. And I was like the first one to, because like you had Denver that was pretty mature at the time. Yeah. And there was, there was big warehouses there, but they were very incognito, very discreet. Yeah. Like no one painted any cannabis related anything on them. Yeah. I went and I painted the whole building and reaped dispensaries. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. And this building's 740 feet long. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like two football fields yeah. and then oh some. Oh my Lord. Yeah. Was that, so that was with the, the people that you met, you have in Florida? Was yeah. That, that was the partners on that one? Yeah. That's sick. So uh, that ended up becoming the world's busiest dispensary. Wow. At the time when I when I was running it. That is sick. Yeah. That's crazy. So, Just, so with that time frame of like making everything I shut down in your hometown, you moved to Arizona. What was that process of going from that to then being the biggest in the whole? Was it the whole U.S. or what exactly? Uh, yeah. I mean, Reef was up there, the top three biggest cannabis yeah. companies in the country That's easily. Sick. Yeah. That's so dope. It was crazy. I mean, you know, I I was getting interviewed by every news outlet. Yeah. I was getting articles written about me. Yep. Um, you know, I had all the rappers want to be my friend. Yeah, I, I was about to say, when it comes to, you said, like, Khalifa Kush, Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. When did those sort of collaborations start happening? So how it all started was I had my my corporate headquarters, that, that large building I just told you about yeah, yeah. off the strip. I ended up moving my corporate staff over to, to Vegas. And MJ BizCon was going on over there, which is the largest cannabis conference in the country. And um, this company called Ease, which is the largest delivery company in California now, mm-hmm. came to me uh, at Reef to ask about helping, you know, raise some money. Yeah. And they happened to bring a guy by the name of Burner with them. I know Burner. Yeah. Dude, it's so funny. I don't know how this happens. So he, he followed me on Instagram, right? Okay. And that was because I'm I met Cody and yeah. like, we were friends and stuff, and that's how I found out who you were. Right. But I don't know how he followed me. Like I don't think I don't know if Cody told him about me because I've been listening to Burner forever. Yeah, they don't. They don't. He just randomly him and Cody me. don't talk that much, so really? it's crazy. Yeah. I was like, what the hell? Like it was the day that like he I think it was it was Burner Cody. They're at Dan's place. And then Bernard just followed me. I was like, I don't, I don't know if Cody told him, or I was like, what the hell? Yeah, I don't, I don't know, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bernard's, Bernard's super cool. He's one of my good friends. Okay. We, we talk on the reg. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. So they were like, hey, uh, you know, Ease is here, and this, they brought this guy named Bernard, and I'm like, who's Bernard? Yeah. You didn't know who he was at the time? <laughs> I didn't. No. <laughs> that's hilarious. No. And uh, so he rolled in, but then when I saw him, I, I knew who he was. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm really, I'm good with faces, yeah. horrible names. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, we both meet a ton of people. So. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, so he rolled in, you know, we hit it off right away. He was like, bro, I've never seen anything like this. Like, this That's is, the, this is like, you know, the NASA space station. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, just cause we, you know, went state of the art on the, on the facility. Yeah, it was totally. like, it was like the showpiece. Okay. So Bernard's like, I want to work with you. What do I got to do? So him and I started talking on the regular, uh, we started coming up with a collab that we were going to do together yeah. and that was, ended up being exotics. Okay. And then he was like, Hey, would you be interested in uh, rolling out Khalifa Kush for Wiz? And I was like, yeah. So we ended up uh, working with Taylor Gang and Wiz, yeah, and uh, you know did a did a large rollout with Khalifa Kush. Yeah. So it was just like that was growing. That strand was growing at your facility. Yeah. That's tough. Yeah. 
So it's it's still there to this day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's so cool. I'm not there anymore, but it's still there. So, yeah, yeah. Where, you're not where at the... I'm not with Reef anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. That's super cool. So that was sort of like the transition of like all the collaborations, music guys and everything. In that yeah, area, and like, so Burner, Burner's known in the music space as like the guy with the best marijuana. Yeah, yeah. And we all know that most musicians use cannabis, right? Yeah. So they would call Burner for their, for their yeah. weed. And everyone knew that Burner was yeah, a part of... Yeah, I'm familiar with Burner. Yeah, he was yeah. part of Reef. Because yeah. I put a I put like a sixty foot picture of him on the back of the building. No which, way. Yeah, you can see it from all the hotel rooms <laughs> on the strip. That's hilarious. Yeah, he loved it. Okay. It was sick, and um, <laughs> so everyone knew that Reef was associated with Burner. So they'd hit up Burner and be like, "Yo, can I stop by Reef and grab grab a sack?" Yeah. And so he would hit me up and be like, "Yo, you That's know, uh, Ty Ty Dollar Signs in town, or yeah. like, uh, you know, Two Chains, or whoever it was yeah. during that week." And everyone yeah. goes to Vegas. Yeah, yeah. So you saw a ton of celebs going through Reef, which in turn. All the rest of society wanted to go through Reef yeah, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Build the brand because yeah. all these influential yeah. people. Yeah, if, if you see a lot of influential people going somewhere, you yeah. want to go there too. Totally, totally. Yeah, that's sick. So that's what really gave me a ton of traction. Okay. Yeah. So how did that? When it comes to like you now, all these people are coming to you. How was that transition? Like, was that like you knew when it comes to just the collaborations you were doing? How did that affect you as a person? Was that like hell yeah, this stuff's picking up? Because obviously you had this huge facility. Right. But I would say from a branding perspective of like more publicity or getting the people involved, how did that sort of take the company to a whole nother level in a sense uh just from exposure i mean you know like one day i had wiz as a guest bud tender you know yeah, like yeah, he yeah. came in bud tender for the day like That's so funny or like you know someone would be in the dispensary and like i would be like yeah i want you to, like go ahead to instagram and hear snapchat yeah, another yeah. dispensary like no phones and i was yeah. like no get your phone out take pictures wide open. That's yeah That's yeah dope. and i had like a wall with like reef dispensaries yeah, on you yeah. go take a picture yeah. by reef like and everyone want to take a picture by that sign because yeah, yeah. they were cool if they yeah. had a picture of them there That's so sick. so like you know i had like snoop there sometimes yeah. or like just different things just to keep it very relevant keep it fresh yeah and it really disrupted the space because no one ever done it before. Yeah, like that made it that open and like yeah, made it acceptable. You know, what I'm yeah. Saying? That's like dope. the first big publication, I think, like Complex Magazine came in. Okay. And they're like, can we write an article about this? I was like, sure. And they <laughs> named it like you know Khalifa Kush's massive factory of weed or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the I-15 runs, it's like a major highway through Vegas. Okay. It runs right by the facility. And in one of Wiz's songs, he's like rapping about how you can smell his weed from the highway. It's okay, <laughs> that's hilarious. So prior to that, like, were you listening to all these guys and like? Oh yeah, I mean, like, I've been a big fan of Wiz since I was yeah. like an early age of high school. Okay, you know? dope, yeah. Dope. So then like, all this came about. You probably like, hell yeah. Yeah, man. It, it, like, I don't know. I don't really get like starstruck or totally, anything. Totally. You know, like everyone's just a person. Totally. Um, but what boggled my mind is like when I was rolling around with these guys, like how many people were coming up to them and want to take pictures and yeah, talk yeah. to them. I'm just like, oh my god, what a zoo. Yeah, yeah. That's what. That's I the bet. part that was like mind blowing to I me. I bet. You know, because in Montana, get, like, like you don't see any of that stuff. Totally. Yeah. And you come from like this small town, more cows and people. Yeah. Like, a whole different lane. Yeah, and like <laughs> everyone knows everyone. Everyone waves at everyone. <laughs> yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. You, you know at least ten people's name when you go in the grocery store. Yeah, like totally. So to like go from that to like running through the strip with celebrities and. Vegas and seeing how much attention they were getting and like it just it was it was hard for me to wrap my head around yeah like because I was just like it's just another person like what's the big deal you know what I mean but to other people it was like no this is my idol like you know I watch him on TV every day or whatever it is yeah so so what's their family all think about this sort of stuff like your your family when it comes to you dropping you said 10 days in college what was that sort of transition for like because there's a lot of young people that listen and they're kind of like I would say battling like all right should I go to college should I not and obviously it's like you going to college for 10 days, you kind of like beat the odds of what right. society thinks yeah. you're going to do, right? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we were trained to think a certain way and we we're trained to think that if you don't go to college, you can't be successful. 
And I'm not saying that everyone that doesn't go to college is going to be successful because that's yeah. not the case. Yeah. But if you work your ass off and you're persistent and you do the right things, like, yeah, you can be successful. Yeah. You could drop out in fifth grade, you know? Yeah, eighth grade. Yeah, it doesn't is. matter. It's <laughs> irrelevant. And, you know, I think part of it's, you know, your genetic makeup to a certain extent. Yeah. I think you're either built to be or not to be. But then again, like, there's other facts that come into play, like, you know, hard work, grinding 14 hours a day, yeah. seven days a week, yeah. you know what I mean? No vacations. Like, mm -hmm. how committed are you to being successful? Because yeah. if you're committed enough to being successful, odds are you can probably be successful. Yeah. That's dope. You know what I mean? Like, are you willing to give up the girls and the partying and all that nonsense yeah. to be successful? Put your head down and just go. Like, yeah, grind. Yeah. That's dope. So I think it's all about your commitment level. Yeah. That's and I, I, I wasn't that committed to school. Yeah, okay. <laughs> See, I was going to say, what was, like, high school like for you? Like, um, I went to class just enough so that I, I could pass. Okay. Uh, I got good grades, but I was absent as much as I could be. Yeah, I feel you. So I think I graduated with like a 3.2 or something, okay. GPA in high school. That's good. Yeah. I almost didn't graduate because I had so many absences. <laughs> Dude, me too. I missed like 40 days this year, bro. Yeah. Like, what the hell are you doing, bro? Right? <laughs> I mean, so, but the, my, the way, I, the viewpoint I was coming from was, if, but I have like a above average, grade point average, so what's the, what's the problem? What you know saying, what I mean? That's what I said. And uh, <laughs> so... I ended up having to appear in front of this panel, and they were okay. deciding if I needed to become a fifth-year senior or oh, not. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I got past that. I okay. talked them into letting me go to the next level, which yeah, yeah. Was, you know, was college. Okay. And I dipped out of there pretty quick. Uh, so with that, like, was it like your parents said, oh, you have to go to college, or you're like, I'm just going to try this, or what was that whole process no, like? No, like, uh, you know, I probably could have got into a lot of colleges, um, but I chose to stay close to home, close yeah. to my friends. And so I decided to go to the University of Montana, which is in Missoula. Okay. Um, my grandparents had a college fund set aside for me. Okay. And uh, so, as you can imagine, when I dropped out, they yeah, were... Like, what the hell? Yeah, they were not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say they didn't give me the college fund. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, my family's extremely disappointed. At the time? Yeah. Okay. Um, my father was always very supportive, though, you know, because he kind of had the entrepreneurial bug. Mm -hmm. um, so... Like, in high school, he bought me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Oh, I love it. Which made me start thinking about things differently. Yeah. You know, and when I was, like, 12 or 13, I, I read Anthony Robbins' Awaken the Giant Within. Yeah, I read it. Yeah. yeah. And that's when I was like, wait a minute, like, there's this, maybe everyone has it all wrong. You know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah, for sure. Because the last thing I wanted to do was just be another, you know, number on the board. Yep. And go to college, get a job, make 65K a year, work, you know, board off my ass for the next... Yeah. 40 years yeah. until I get my gold watch retirement, <laughs> you know, go live out yeah. a few more years and then die. Like, yeah. I was like, no, nah, you live one time, like, I'm going to go all out, yeah, that's you know? Badass. So it's like, whether I win or lose, I'm going to live yeah. life to the fullest. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, so sick. I'm, I'm, I've, you know, I've been willing to risk it all, like, since since day one. Day one. Uh, that's dope. So regarding, you said your dad gave you the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Has that always been a thing when it comes to, like, reading, self-education? Absolutely. Feel like, okay. Yeah, I mean... You know, there's an old saying, something effective, you're a product of the people you surround yourself yeah. with in the books you read. But now it's more so the knowledge you're acquiring because a lot of people are reading off of different things besides books, right? Yeah, like, it's funny because, like, when I was in school, they show you all this BS books that, like, I hated reading until, like, 10th grade when it's, like, I got handed Rich Dad, Poor Dad or all these different types of books. So it's, right. like, when was that, was it always that for you when it comes to, like, self-educating yourself? Or was it, like, a pivot point of, like, you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and that opened your mind to different types of thinking in a sense no i was i i hated reading like school books yeah like you know when i had to read to kill a mockingbird yeah. i was just uh -huh. like oh. 
the hell is what, this? What are, we, what are we talking about here? <laughs> but then I started reading like self-help books and self-educating books and business books. I was like, I was very, you know, Into drawn it. in. Yeah. And but on my time, right? Like yeah. you have to read four four chapters, you know, by tomorrow. Yeah, like I, I hate when other people tell me what to do. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So I was like, nah, I'm not gonna read it. Yeah. But if it's on my my time, like, and I'm interested in what I'm, you know, the knowledge that I'm gaining, then yeah. I'm all in. That's dope. So I've read hundreds of books. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's sick. Um, Think and Grow Rich is, you know, yeah. a ridiculously good book. Totally. Uh, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Another friend. another bang. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Written so long ago, but still yeah, relevant it's today. Timeless, you like know the principles saying? will never go away. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so dope. So like, you know, I have a lot of respect for some of the people in those yeah. books. Like, I don't know. I, I feel like there's core principles, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you stick to those and you're, you know, um, just have like a very structured plan, you stick to the plan. Yeah. Anything's really possible. Yeah, that's so dope, man. I got like two more questions, man. So in regards to like this journey so far, how, what was like the time frame? Like how many years? 10, 15, 20 years since you started your first business? Um, so if you want to look at the one I started in, in high school. Yeah. 16, so that was 17 years ago. So, yeah, so literally since I was born. Yeah, I'm, pretty I'm much. getting old. So, when it comes to that, though, I feel like a lot of young listeners that are listening, like, just in regards to just the whole journey so far, like, if you were, like, to tell that 18-year-old, 17-year-old today in 2018 with this whole social media space, and, like, there's just an abundance of opportunities. That's what, like, I'm, the right. whole thing I'm doing with this podcast is just hearing stories to tell people, like, dude, like, you can just do you, you know? Right. So, like, in regards to that, if you had to just look at yourself at 18 and, like, here you are now killing the game, what would something you would, like, tell yourself just to, like, give some, not inspiration or anything, but just, like, a core truth that has you, like, instilled in yourself? Well, if I was 18 right now, first of all, what I would do is I would become an expert in as many technology spaces as possible. That's obviously the future, right? Yeah. I think virtual reality is going to be huge. Okay. Um, I would really zone in on social dynamics and how people interact and also human psychology. Okay. I feel like with those three things, like you can do almost anything. Okay. Um, Dope. So that's what I would concentrate on if I was 18 in 2018. Dope. <laughs> Hell yeah, bro. It's a good way to end it. For sure. For sure. So for everyone, when it comes to connecting with you and everything you got going on, obviously I want to put your, all your social medias, your vlog yeah. channel on YouTube. Appreciate and it. And everyone it. listening, make sure you go check them out. I know when I first came across your page, I was like, dude, your content is so sick. And then we got the guy in here that is editing. That's everything, right. Bro. This the man so behind tough. the curtain. Oh, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, damn. So everyone listening, make sure you go check him out on Instagram. His content's dope. He posts the craziest pictures, cool-ass people. So <laughs> make sure you go give him a follow. And then uh, what's the best place when it comes to just people, like, interacting with you? If they want to say, what's up? If they came from the podcast, like, what's the best way? Um, Man, I get so many DMs, it's hard to keep yeah, up, bro. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> Thousands, you know yeah, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, probably the best way to reach me is just go to my website. Okay. And then you can just type messages in there, and it goes directly to my personal email. Dope. Yeah, so um, web, uh, the website's MatthewLeeMorgan.com. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll, link it all. Yeah, yeah. I'll link it all down below. So that's that's probably the, like, the most efficient way to get a hold of me. Perfect, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I appreciate you coming hey, on the show. Hey, thanks, for, thanks sure, for having man. me on, brother. Absolutely, I appreciate man. you. Everyone listening, like I just said, make sure you go check them out on Instagram, YouTube, website, everything, whole nine yards. And that being said, make sure you go subscribe to the Build Your Empire podcast on iTunes, and I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for coming on, man. Thank you.